Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Oh, yeah, baby. Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide if you're the commanders. Nope. Instead, you're going to be served up like an oversized turducken. To the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. Whew, that ought to be fun. Joining us right now, on air and on the road, Jay Gruden is driven by the Ted Britt Automotive Group. Ted Britt Ford in Chantilly and Fairfax, your F-150 headquarters, Ted Britt Chevrolet and Sterling. All home to Ted Britt for life, lifetime vehicle coverage, and more. See and shop them all at tedbritt.com. Is the former head coach of the Washington Redskins, longtime NFL offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and just all-around great comedian on Twitter slash X. It is Jay Gruden on the BetQL guest hotline. Hello, Jay. How are you? Good afternoon, Chris. How are you? I'm doing well, Jay. I got to admit, you made me laugh yesterday afternoon in a sea of misery at FedEx Field, which is always a fun experience. There, Jay Gruden was cracking jokes about Black Monday. I liked it. I liked it. I, I, I got a good laugh out of it. It made my day. Well, thanks. I'm glad I could make your day for you. I know. I know. That's very important. Uh, <laughs> um, so, there were, you know, I, I'd like to say that there were a lot of days like this when you, when you were the head coach here, but, you know, like, like there were some. I'm not saying that there weren't, but it didn't feel like, it didn't feel like there was these kind of days. And now there are three already this season, one on top of another, the two Giants losses and the Chicago loss. Which of the three, I guess, as you kind of rewind and maybe look through, uh, you know, you, your mind and memory was worse. Was yesterday as worse than the other two? I think yesterday was worse. Now, the Bears was bad too because it was Thursday. It was a it was a night game and a great crowd, great energy in the building, and, and just got blown out from start to finish. But this one here was pretty bad because you're mathematically not out of the playoff hunt. I mean, you see that the, the Vikings are the number seven seed and they're six and five, and you get a win against the Giants at home against a team that just gave up 600 yards of the Cowboys, uh, you're right back in the thick of things. And, and to get basically blown out by the Giants, who's played poorly as anybody in football, is pretty bad. Yeah. Before we get to the defense, and we will, you know, you mentioned the Giants gave up all those yards to the Cowboys, who are next, of course, on a short week, and you've been a part of those games. Um, 
the the commanders, you know, Jay, they did move the football. They ran it really well. A buck seventy five. The enemy, I think, was finally committed to the run, and I know that drives everybody crazy. Whatever, but I mean, they were committed to the run. They were successful running it. They racked up over four hundred yards, and yet every chance they pretty much could get from the start, and ultimately in the last possession, they threw up all over themselves. Yeah, I mean, you can't turn the ball over. I mean, three turnovers, three three interceptions, a fumbled kickoff, and then another fumble by Rodriguez uh, on a dive play up the middle. That's five turnovers. And you know, the one thing you can't do against a team that's struggling like the Giants is give them hope. And they gave them hope way too many times in that game and kept them alive. And sure enough, Saquon Barkley and, and those guys made enough plays to beat them. So that's the that's the worst thing you can do against a team that's struggling is just is give them hope and give them reason they can beat you. Yeah, uh, actually, it's uh, uh, six turnovers, right? They had the three uh, the three interceptions and then the three lost fumbles. Lay, uh, Logan Thomas on the second series, Pringle, yeah. you mentioned, and then Rodriguez. Uh, and and really, they could have had another one. I mean, Howell on a third down intended for Terry. I want to say third series of the game, maybe fourth series of the game, threw one. I don't know what the hell he was uh, looking at. Um, so, our, I mean, obviously, we'll start there. Just Is that a bad day at the office, and that's how you chalk that up if you're the coach and you're watching the film or is there some was there something that you identified with your expertise that said oh man we, you know this is why we turned the ball over this is why we were so inefficient because I can't think of one again if you were like if your offensive line was dreadful like it had been so often early in the year Jay well maybe you chalk it up to that I can't think of one thing that made me go oh this is the reason why they were so bad in terms of protecting the football yeah, well, the first pick was bad. It was a force. It was first and ten, and Sam took a shot down the, you know, on the post route, and the guy made a heck of a play. But still, that's not a throw you want to make on mm-hmm. first and ten, and the game's close like that. You know, on the second pick, you know, I just think Sam was trying to press a little bit too much. And on the other side of it, I think they were giving Sam too much to do when he was struggling a little bit. I think they needed to go back to more controlled passing game, get some screens out there, get him back into a rhythm. He never really got back into that rhythm. They did a nice touchdown touchdown drive, but. He just looked flustered the whole game and didn't look sure of himself and was forcing balls into coverage. And uh, when that happens, you got to really pull in the reins and try to get him back on track somehow, and they never did. Can you get into a rhythm when you have so many possessions and series short-circuited like they did, or, or, or is that? Yeah, I mean, that's the other part of it, too. The two fumbles didn't help yeah. in the opening kickoff on yeah. uh, the second half. Fumble didn't help at all, either. Just uh, they are on the sideline a lot. And, and, you know, they, they played decent defense. They just gave up too many big plays. But, again, you know, in a game like that, you'd like something to trigger you, uh, a play on special teams, an interception, a forced fumble, something to get your team back into the groove, and, and they just never could get anything going. Well, I really thought it was going to be the touchdown late in the first half there when Howell got bounced around like a ping-pong ball. Uh, you know, be, uh, be, I mean, just I, – and I and then he goes into the tent and the fracas on the sideline, yet – he scores the touchdown. I, I don't know. I never saw a conclusive video angle that said he made it across, but whatever. I thought that was going to be what spurred it. And quite honestly, Jay, they were only down by 14-9, but immediately they missed the extra point. So you're down now by five. And I, it's not a big deal in the ultimate end of it. But, I, I mean, it was almost like you got a shot of momentum. Then you're worried about your quarterback, whether he's going to make it. And then the and then the field goal kicker misses an extra point. And it's like, even when you get a shot of, of electricity, it immediately gets short-circuited. Yeah, that seemed like that happened the entire game. They did cut it to 14-12. They got a field goal, too, yeah. to cut it to two. And then they gave up a couple big plays, uh, similar type play. Um, 
for big plays. And, you know, you can't have blown coverages like that against a team like that. you got to be sound in what you're doing. And, unfortunately, the Giants took advantage of yeah. a couple coverage mess-ups. Kendall Fuller didn't travel with uh, Slayton on the first touchdown. And, um you know, it's just unfortunate. They, well, and, and that leads us into obviously that you're talking about the 40 yard touchdown. Uh, obviously, the Slayton, which happens before that. Uh, it right. looked like the linebacker, or maybe it was Curl, uh, was kind of shifting over from the right side of the defense to the left side of the defense. And then you're correct. Kendall was lined up on the left side of the defense. Did and I don't remember if he got picked or obstructed or whatever happened, but I mean obviously it was a coverage bust. We know that. Is that because they're playing more man defense, Jay? Which you've pointed out, of course, over the last couple of weeks. Is that just miscommunication? What do you put a finger at if you had to guess as to what the root of the problem was? Yeah, that was a play action pass, and, and Slayton ran a shallow cross to start, and, and and I think Kendall was taking runs, so he's slow to react. And we did realize it was a play-action pass. He got picked. He ran into, I think, the safety or the, or the other right. receiver. Right. And then Slayton was just wide ass, so wide open. So. Oh, uh, you can say ass. We we yeah. we allow bad words Kendall on, was just on the show. Slow to react initially. <laughs> I think if Kendall would have gone right away with Slayton instead of watching peeking in the back. He right. played with bad eyes. When you play man to man, you got to you got to stay on your guy. Mm-hmm. That's your guy. That's your job. And, and unfortunately, Kendall. Uh, had a little brain cramp to start to play. Yeah, I mean that's happened a couple of times this year. Even though he's played reasonably well, uh, how do you justify again the defense? Nine sacks, no takeaways. You just described the the major blunder, but there were other uh, things. Jamin Davis gets beat for a wheel route every game, Jay, and got beat like a drum bite. You know, granted Saquon Barkley, but then Barkley had the second touchdown uh, on, on the little uh, you know drag route, crossing route right at the five yard line. There looked like he beat Cam Curl. I mean, how do you, like it, it's impossible to figure out how a defense can can flash like it does, uh, and they didn't allow a net rushing yard until the last play of the third quarter. Again, nine sacks, and yet be so bad. And I know they didn't give up the true thirty-one points, but they gave up you know twenty plus points and had so many brain farts. They have twenty-four points to a team with a third-string quarterback. Yeah. It can't happen at yeah. home. It can't happen. I mean, and three of them were. Uh, just pitching catches, uh, you know, you or I could have made those throws. The wheel route, I mean, he's pretty much wide open, and the flat route to uh, to Saquon, he's wide open, and the pass of Slayton, he's wide open, mm-hmm. and the and the pass of the tight end on the backfield is wide open. So those are four major blunders that you just can't have happen when you're playing against a team with their third string quarterback. You got to make it very hard for the third string quarterback, not very easy. Well, they would say they did though, right, with the nine sacks and yeah, taking away the run. Sure, but. Still, four big right. plays like that are, right. are four too many against yeah. a team that's reeling like that. You gotta, you can't have those type of plays where guys are just wide ass open. I mean, it just can't happen. When you have the explosive play problem that they have had all year, quite honestly, uh, uh, here's the numbers: uh, league high eighty-eight explosive plays. This is through Nikki Javala, sixteen plus yards in passing, twelve plus uh, yards in runs. Those are considered explosive plays. League high six. Uh, I'm sorry, league high eighty-eight and six. 65 of them coming via the pass, okay? And and on those 65 pe- explosive pass plays, they average 26.9. When you have that, what in the world do you do as a defense to try and fix that? I mean, is it just as simple as firing somebody or benching people? Or is there something structurally, you know, playing more conservative, playing deeper, play, more too deep shell? Is there something you can do to minimize some of that? Well, the issue is it's been something different all the time. You know, sometimes it's missed tackling or poor angles. Sometimes it's poor coverage. Sometimes it's blown coverage. So, you know, it's not 
usually just one guy early in the year it was Forbes. And then yeah. this week it was Fuller. It was St. Juice one week. It was, uh, you know, so it's somebody every week. Um, sometimes it's a big run, a run fit gets screwed up. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, if you could pinpoint it on one guy, that'd be great. The, the change would already be made, but obviously it's multiple guys and multiple coverages and multiple reasons. Um, so I don't. Uh, so you didn't draft Cam Curl. So you didn't work with him. But you know he's widely been considered one of the so-called gems, if you will, of the Ron Rivera era. But his dad is pretty chatty on Twitter. Uh, and I wanted to ask you this: He's a, apparently a high school coach, uh, and and I think he was talking about, of course, the the second Saquon touchdown, which we kind of touched on. He said, "When you call man in the red zone and a five man front on the run, you put players in a position not to succeed." Just my opinion. I'm not an NFL coach. Does what he's saying match up with what you saw, and 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 in terms of like what? you know, what you've coached around and against and, and with and for, does that make sense? Or is that just a dad trying to defend his kid? No, I don't think he was in, I don't think he's wrong at all. He's in a bad position to cover Saquon going to the flat on the other side of the ball. Usually when that happens, you have a little combo deal with Jam and Davis and Cam Curl. If, if he leaks out to the flat, then Jammin should take him and Cam should free up. Uh, but Cam tried to chase him all the way across. There's three guys running shallow crosses for picks, and he got picked and couldn't get over there. So there has to be a communication issue where if, if he leaves and goes to the other side of the formation, then the other linebacker has to take him, and that would be Jamin Davis, and that didn't happen. Jamin tried to track him late, too. They both tried to track him, but they were both too late. Jay Gruden with us as he is each and every Monday afternoon. Excellent analysis, breaking down the latest Commander's Disaster 31-19. Before uh, we spin around to the rest of the NFL, Jay, uh, again, you you were a part of, uh, what, two, two th- uh, three Thanksgiving Day games in a row, two in Dallas, one at home. Um, I, I know short weeks are a thing and they're common, and I know they suck, and I know they're hard on everybody. But did Thanksgiving in Dallas make it any harder because of the three-hour road trip, because of some of the pageantry? Was it any different than your typical Thursday night game? Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. No, about the same. You never like to travel on a Thursday game because it is more difficult, but it's all the same. Uh, The good thing is if you can get away there with the win, then you got the whole weekend to get better and recover for, you know, I think they have a bye week after Dallas too, so they'll have a long, long rest, which would be good. Uh, no, the Commanders but, actually have Miami next Sunday, which is great. I mean, oh, I mean, I, you yeah. know, Miami should only come in here and put up about 83 points. Yeah, that'll be a tough one. That'll be yeah. a tough matchup. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Thursday games are hard no matter how you do it, especially on the road, and then especially when you're talking about a team like Dallas that yeah. has all the – 
weapons that they have and the, and the defense that they have with the pass rush and Micah Parsons running all over the place. So that's the most difficult thing is trying to figure out how to pick up all the blitzes that they run. Dan Quinn does a good job with some of his double A's, some of the different things he does blitz wise, but you know, it's just tough when you play a really good team like that with yeah. a lot of multiplicity on both sides of the ball. No doubt about it. Dallas blew out Carolina. Go figure. 33-10. Um, it seemed like Dak Prescott, I mean, he got off to a really kind of shaky start, but he has really hit his stride here. And it's not like they're getting great production in the run game. He's just doing a pretty good job of spreading the ball out. I think there was... Uh, I don't know, like nine different receivers, and they all had like between you know twenty and forty-five yards yesterday. Like they couldn't pinpoint anyone um, from what I saw against Carolina. Now maybe it's because it's Carolina, but is Dak a, a way better quarterback than he was early in the year, or just playing better right now? No, he's playing better. He's, I mean, he's, so that means he's way better. Yes. Yeah, he's not turning the ball over. He's taking what the defense is giving him. Sometimes you read too many articles, you get the ball to CeeDee Lamb, he's a star, but you got to get the ball to the open guy and, and take what the defense gives you. And that's what he's doing great right now. He's managing the game like a pro quarterback should. CeeDee Lamb's still going to get his targets, but he's not forcing the issue. And he's also using his legs a lot more. He's escaping with his legs and, and buying time and, and letting his players get open down the field even longer. So, yeah, he's, he's playing at a high, as high a level as any quarterback in the league right now. Jay Gruden with us on the BetQL guest hotline. Um, how about uh, Bobby Slowick Jr. and uh, Houston and D'Amico Ryans and what they've done? Now, you were on this team early on. I think week, uh, I want to say week three, week four, you kept telling us in this spot, watch out for Houston. They've got, you know, they've got this, they've got that. And obviously, C.J. Stroud has come in and put himself, never mind in the Rookie of the Year competition, he's put himself in the MVP consideration. Yeah, he's a stud, and they they have a pretty good offensive line. They got uh, pretty good weapons around them. Tank Dell's playing good. They got Nico Collins back. Robert Woods, if he comes back, tight ends pretty good. They got from Dallas uh, the running back Schultz, Schultz, Terry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, they're they're pretty darn good. And and CJ's a stud, and and you just love the way he talks and the way he uh, addresses the media. I mean, he threw three picks and it didn't even phase him. He just came out still slinging the ball and making plays and right. did enough to win that game. So when you have a leader like that and a guy can rip it like that and escape pressure and you have weapons around them, they're pretty good. And then you have a defensive-minded head coach like D'Amico who sticks that unit on that side of the ball. Uh, they're they're playing really good, and they're playing with a lot of confidence. I think they play the Jags next week. That'll be a heck of a game. Yeah. Now, you remind me. I forgot that he threw the three interceptions. I mean, listen, interceptions, you know this, Jay. I mean, how many times did Kirk – well, you remember the Thursday night game in 2014, I think it was? You know, Kirk had just a disaster, or maybe it was 2013. Uh, I think it was 2014. And then, you know, the next year, obviously, takes over full-time as the starter, and that was your decision. And he just grows and grows from there, right? Th- that's part of throwing the football in the NFL. You're going to make mistakes. It's how you rebound, how you how you come back, not only the next game, but the next quarter, the next possession, the next whatever, right? No, that's exactly right. I mean, you're never going to be perfect as a quarterback. You're going to make mistakes, bad throws, have a bad series, have a bad game. You just got to be resilient and bounce back. And That's why the hardest thing to grade when you're looking at young quarterbacks is their mental toughness. Mm-hmm. Do they have mental toughness? Can they bounce back from a sack, a fumble, an interception, a bad game, a bad week, a bad couple weeks? I uh, just got to keep grinding and 
and and make players around you better. And that's what CJ's doing. That's what a lot of the great players do. Uh, two teams that are very much on the rebound and fighting for their playoff lives and put on you know a heck of a performance last night in Denver, Minnesota, and the Broncos. The Broncos just edging them out. Um, you know Sutton with that great touchdown catch from uh, Russell Wilson uh, there in the back corner of the end zone, but a valiant effort uh, for Minnesota. I mean, if they don't get screwed on a couple of officiating calls or non calls, maybe they win that game. And Kevin O'Connell and the Vikings are are are, are seven and four. Jay, uh, just a thought on both of those teams and where they're heading and why they've been able to both kind of, quite honestly, overcome as much adversity as they have. Well, Denver, first of all, Vance Joseph's done an incredible job after giving up that 70. He had a come-to-Jesus meeting with his team, I think, and and those players responded in a big-time way. made some personnel adjustments and some coaching adjustments, and they're playing as good a defensive football as anybody. Which is there, I would is there anything thought. structurally you've seen there, Jay? Just uh, n- not to they're, jump jump in on you, but is there anything structurally? Sound, they're playing good sound football. They're mm-hmm. they're attacking offenses. They're blitzing a little bit more. Okay, but they're sounding what they do, and the guys are playing a lot of confidence, and that helps too. You know, you put two, three, four games back to back to back together, then everybody's starting to buy in and, and play harder, and, and they run to the ball faster. They pursue. They do what you have to do to be a good defensive football team and, and then Russell's not making any mistakes right he's throwing a lot of check downs he's not doing anything great but then when he has to make a play he's making the play and that's uh what you were looking for Russell Wilson early on and then Minnesota you know they're they're battling and right now they're the seventh seed and I think they're looking pretty good to have a one or two game lead as far as that goes and and, and I think uh defensively they're doing a good job as well Kevin's doing a great job with Dobbs and, and uh when they get Justin Jefferson back I think they should be able to hold on to that seventh seed and see what happens in the playoffs um we uh, somebody brought up uh, Wes Phillips as a potential. I, I don't want to talk about firing coaches, but I mean the reality is, you know that it looks like there's going to be a a change here at at the end. Uh, you had him on your staff, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, yep. <laughs> what do do you think he's been a big part of what Minnesota has done with 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 KOC and who obviously you had here as well, or, or do you think that that's more KOC's influence? How how would you kind of evaluate that? Well, I think anytime you're on a staff where the head coach calls the plays or not, if you're the coordinator, you're going to have a lot of input mm-hmm. in what's going on in the game. You're you're putting a list together, you're putting your play passes together, your third down, your red zone list together. Whether Kevin uses them or not, or calls them or not, you're still involved in that meeting. And and uh, so yes, he'd be a good candidate. He's smart. He's uh, players all like him. You know, I think every he was our tight end coach for a while, and every tight end he had did a good job for us. Yeah. And, yeah, he's, he's, he's a sound coach and would be a good addition if it worked out that way. Jay, uh, if I remember correctly, last year when we asked you this, uh, you uh, said you're not doing any of the Thanksgiving uh, cooking. Is that still the case this year? Like, what, what, yeah, what are we doing? we're going to go golf in the morning, uh-huh. let, uh, let the people who cook cook, and then we'll come in and eat it. <laughs> the people who cook. <laughs> and, of course, you're going to do all the dishes, right? Yeah, I, I do the dishes, yes. I, I'm not that bad, Chris. <laughs> I mean, Jay, you can come over to my house. I'll cook for you. You want to spend Thanksgiving with me? I bet you have quite the shindig over there, don't you? (laughs) You want to spend Thanksgiving with your pal? Come on, Jay. Yeah, that'd be great. No, I'll be down in Florida. I'll be down in Florida. Sorry. (laughs) Hey, Jay. Sure, convenient excuse. Jay, thanks as always. Happy Thanksgiving to you and the family. Uh, We'll talk again real soon, okay? 
You got it. Thanks, Chris. All right. That's Jay Gruden, uh, who uh, does a tremendous job for us. We try and keep it light. We try and keep it fast-paced, what have you, on air and on the road. Jay Gruden is driven by the Ted Britt Automotive Group, Ted Britt Ford in Chantilly and Fairfax. Your F-150 headquarters in Ted Britt Chevrolet in Strolling All Home for Ted Britt for Life. Lifetime vehicle coverage. See and shop them all at tedbritt.com. All right, when we come back, we'll hear a little bit from Ron Rivera until we get mad, frustrated, and bored, and then we'll get right back to your calls. We're not going to listen to a bunch of the nonsense, quite honestly. We're just not going to. It's a short week, uh, and the Commanders go to Dallas on Thursday. You just heard Jay's thoughts on all of that and much more. Back in a flash right here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.